Hello and what is up, everyone? Welcome to the MJ Sportscast Show, Season 1, Episode 5. My name is Mike Tang, joined by my co-host, Jerry Yang. Hey, what up, everyone? Ready to talk some sports. So let's um, first talk about the San Francisco 49ers, Jerry. Um, oh, this past, <laughs> Yeah, so this past Sunday, uh, we faced Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks um, in Seattle here. And it was, uh, you know, basically the complete 180 from what we saw from the 49ers um, against the New England Patriots the week before here. Why don't we uh, maybe kind of dig in on what happened during that game and and what you saw out there? Yeah, I think for me, um, looking at how Jimmy Grapple was playing, you can tell he was not 100%. It reminded me a little bit of the Miami game mm-hmm. where he just looked off throughout the whole game. I don't know if he re-aggravated the injury, but even on the first few snaps, he looked at um, the offensive line, looked like they were failing them. Um, I think Seattle had a really good defensive game plan where they put a lot of pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo and our offensive line wasn't able to respond to that pressure. And I was questioning a little bit of um, Kyle Shanahan's game calling as well. If He saw the blitz coming a lot. He made some questionable uh, plays like the direct snap play uh, to McKinnon and a few other plays like that. Some trick plays that he, he attempted to make that didn't quite work out. And I think the two highlights from Seattle is definitely DK Metcalf. He had 161 yards and two touchdowns, probably the best of his career um, so far with Seattle. So very impressive. Um, Mosley wasn't able to get much coverage on him. I think uh, in the fourth quarter or third quarter, he had a really good um, uh, defensive stop on DK. But at that point, it was already too late. And um, the game was well at hand for Seattle. And then the second person I think that did really well was Bobby Wagner with two sacks, 11 tackles, six of them solo. That guy just wreaked havoc on the team. <laughs> he completely destroyed the offensive line, got through, and Jimmy just didn't look comfortable throughout the whole game. And, yeah, eventually they pulled him. I think Nick Mullins came in, actually looked pretty good, was able to move the ball. But I think at that point it was already – um, considered garbage time. Um, Dwelly and Bourne, uh, Kendrick Bourne actually really stepped up. I, uh, I thought um, during during that time. So um, at least there's some highlights there where the two guys that will unfortunately have to carry the load um, due to all the injuries there, that also happened there. And I think the biggest turning point um, of the game really was in the third quarter where. Um, um, Pettis fumbled the ball uh, on the punt return and gave them um, great field position and was able, um, Seattle was able to capitalize on that. And now um, Pettis is, I know he got hurt on that play. That was a very vicious hit on Pettis. And, um, but it definitely swung the momentum, I thought. And yeah, it was unfortunate. I think it was one of those games where the Niners, Niners had an off game again, um, and the outcome of that game wasn't good from a scoreboard perspective, and it wasn't good from a health injury perspective. Um, so losing Jimmy G for um, indefinitely, they're saying maybe eight weeks, um, losing Kittle for eight weeks with fractured foot, um, and obviously Pettis got hurt with a separated shoulder and ended up being tra- um, getting weighed. Um, so that wasn't obviously not good, right? <laughs> I think he was right. underperforming throughout the whole whole season and his whole career, really, with the Niners. So that that was a long time coming. Um, but overall, pretty sad game. I, 
you know, if there's any bright spots, I think it was really Dwelly and Born <laughs> that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And I think also Hastley wasn't able to get things going, but his touchdown at the end was pretty, or in the beginning was pretty impressive. Um, so I think we can rely on him, but he's definitely not Jeff Wilson type caliber. Um, I think many people were hoping that he would be, um, be able to fill in for Jeff Wilson. Um, but it really shows how special the last game was with Jeff Wilson and the talent that he brought out. Um, so it definitely, that he's probably irreplaceable there as well. So, um, so very unfortunate, um, but we have to look forward, I guess, here. So, Mike, what did you think? Yeah, I think a couple of things stood out to me here. I think the first one was how DK Metcalf kind of just ran over um, our defense and our cornerback uh, mostly there. I think that was just poor coaching. I think you can't let mostly be out there on an island by himself after seeing DK Metcalf already burn him a couple times to start the game. Um, I thought that they could have been made a better adjustment on that there. And then, but, and then the underlying question that we have to ask is who are, who are we going to guard these big, strong, fast wide receivers moving forward? There's DK Metcalf um, from the Seahawks. Um, there's Hopkins from the Cardinals. I believe Robert Woods is in, is with the Rams too. And, you know, we're going to have to find someone e- either within our roster or within the draft that's going to be able to defend these guys here. And from my point of view, I don't think there's anyone in our roster that can that can guard them. Do you think Richard Sherman's that guy if he ever comes back? I honestly think Richard Sherman is probably going to be on the outs pretty quickly, to be honest with you. I think he's going he's 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 going to be, what, 32, 33 mm-hmm. um, next year here. Um, if you were to choose between, I guess, who's the other cornerback? Mostly Verrett. or Verrett. 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 Yeah, it's going to be either Jason Verrett or Richard Sherman. It's, it might be a toss up on who on who management is going to decide on um, here. And we haven't even seen Richard Sherman play a game this season. So, well, he did, yeah, I think he played the first game, right? I think he got injured um, yeah. during the during the second game. So at least we saw him for the first one. And I think you're right; he wasn't able to contain uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So he was definitely definitely a big gap for the Niners team to stop those. But I guess my point, or the way I'm thinking, is: is there really a cornerback that's really shut down anymore? You know, like in the back in the old days, is um, Revis was definitely a guy that has always been known to shut down players, right? Um, from, from my perspective, I don't think we can count on cornerbacks or safeties to really guard these big receivers. I think what we need to count on is a pass rush to not give QBs a time to throw to them, right? I think with Bosa around, I don't think this was an issue last season, right? Like even Richard Sherman lost a step. Um, these big wide receivers didn't eat us up. Sure, they had their plays. They had great moments and they made plays, but it wasn't a constant carve up like we're seeing now, and we're I think missing that pass rush is is definitely hurting us in in more ways than one. There, um, what do you yeah. think about that angle? Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, we definitely need a better pass rush, and um, we definitely need a better um, game plan um, coming in, knowing that uh, the the opposition's star wide receiver is a uh, is a beast out there, and will be able to kind of beat your, your cornerback one-on-one. So you got to have a game plan and you can't just leave your, 
your cornerback there on an island by himself. And and do you, do you question our um, <clears throat> do you question our defensive coordinator um, Sala at this point? Um, I know uh, I know Dante Whitner definitely criticized him and on his inability to make adjustments. I know coming into this season, he was definitely a hot commodity for a future head coaching job. And to me, him not being able to make adjustments on the fly like that or sticking to a game plan when obviously it's not working, to me, isn't a good sign as a head coach, right? I think there's guys like Mike McCarthy who are head coaches who also suffer from the same issue, right? And I think the Cowboys and the players there are also criticizing Mike McCarthy of not being able to make those adjustments. And I feel like Sala is in a way that that type of coach right now. I know Kyle Shanahan's really good at making adjustments on the offensive end of the ball. Um, you can tell from, you know, the run game not working, he's calling up more passing plays and executing them is a different thing, right? I think that's, um, <laughs> you know, the issue we'll get into that later where Jimmy Garoppolo isn't able to make those plays that Kyle Shanahan adjusted to, but but at least he's trying, right? And I think um, Salah might be able to do more on that front and He's not. Uh, I know he's a defensive mastermind. I mean, if you hear him in interviews, he really knows defense. But knowing defense and being able to make those adjustments in-game and be able to change up your plan or have a backup plan, uh, to me, is a right. question mark right now. So what do you think about him? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. I think um, there's been a couple games this season in which um, Robert Sala has failed to make certain adjustments. I think first was the Dolphins game there at home um and then also our our last game against the Seahawks where I think he was scheming towards a certain cover two um type defense and uh they didn't really adjust to that accordingly and DK Metcalf ended up, ended up burning us for over two you know two touchdowns basically and that was basically the game mm-hmm. I think the game was basically over um by the by the first half um there even before Kittle um, came out with a fractured foot. Yeah, I think come and also I think the Pettis fumble, right? It was what really sealed the game. I think at that point because you gave him good field position yeah. and there was no stops that made there. So, so yeah, very unfortunate yeah. game. Um, that's that's how it goes, right? And I think yeah. a lot of questions now <laughs> are raised from this game um, in the future. But um, yeah, let's talk about a couple uh, trade deadline moves that the Niners made. First was they traded uh, Quan Alexander um, to the Saints for, I believe, a, a mid a mid draft pick and also uh, Kiko. What's it? what's it? Kiko Kiko, um, Kiko Alonso. Alonso, yeah. And, and they also uh, decided to cut Dante Pettis. What are your thoughts on those two act those two moves there? Yeah, I, I talked about Pettis, Dante Pettis already. I think it was a good move. It was a long move coming. I was surprised that the Giants actually picked him up um, considering the Giants also have some depth at uh, right receiver. Um, So to me, I think they're probably going to use him more on special teams and punt returns and things like that. So, um, but uh, Pettis has never seemed like he really got into the NFL mold, right? His speed didn't really translate. When he was on the field, he was rarely targeted because he probably wasn't open or wasn't part of the game plan. And Kyle Shanahan's a guy who can really draw a play. So uh, if he wants to get you the ball, he'll find a way to get it to you. But I think 
there was a lack of confidence in him based on a few games last season where he's dropped balls or he, or there was a question of his effort to try to make those big plays. Um, so, and he was deactivated for a couple games where we needed uh, right receiver help desperately. So this cut wasn't a big surprise to me. And then we have Richie James who was coming back um, from IR and he'll be able to fill in some of those returns. And with that in mind, you even have Kevin White who can do it as well. So I, I don't think losing Pettis was a huge loss to the Niners. It was just a long time coming. And we were able to save some cap space there. Um, so that helps. And then for Quan Alexander, I think it's the same move. I think we did it mainly for cap space reasons. Um, he was owed, I believe, um, $60 million next year. Um, and we still have to sign Fred Warner and a few other players. So we definitely had to make some room. Um, and Dre Greenlaw has really stepped up. And he became, I think... Uh, more than adequate replacement for Quan, if anything, a younger version of Quan, and there was not a big drop off there. So I think Drake Greenlaw really is our future in that position. Um, so I think the Niners made a good move, and getting a fifth round pick, I think, is pretty crucial. Um, in previous drafts, I think our late picks have been better than our early picks overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having that pick, um, we can probably get a lot more difference makers on the team at a lower cost. And that, that, that would just only add and build to the future. So, so I like the move overall, um, both of them. I was hoping the Niners make more moves, but, um, but I think any moves that we make at this point would just be more of a salary cap type cuts um, based on the number of injuries that we've had. So um, it's, it's unfortunate, um, but yeah, but I think it was good moves. I know Jet and Jarek <laughs> McKinnon wasn't happy about Quan Alzer moving because uh, being traded. That because Quan is a big part of the team. He has a good personality. He he um, brought a lot of life, I think, into that locker room. Um, so he'll be missed. I think he did a great job for us last season. Um, I think before the injury, he was definitely a key player to to the Niners and definitely well well within like. Um, some of the top defensive players that we had. But once he had an injury, uh, the torn bicep, and he came back, he didn't look great in the Super Bowl. He didn't look great in, uh, I believe, even the Green Bay game before that, he didn't look that good. Um, and then this season, obviously, he, he looked a little bit off, and then him getting hurt again, I think was kind of the last straw at that point. So, um, like I said, Drake Greenwell stepped up. So good for him. I think he'll be our future. Yeah, um, let's kind of talk about also um, the 49ers and Green Bay um, there. But, you know, the Niners, they're going to come into this game four and four. Mathematically speaking, we're still in the playoff hunt there. Do you think Nick Mullins has a great chance to maybe turn things around for us um, here? Or do you think the season will spiral down starting later today uh, so i think nick mullins we kind of know what we get with nick mullins in a lot of ways uh, i think he's a more than adequate backup quarterback um he has a lot of flashes of greatness but then at times he looks like he's rattled and and looks a little bit lost and uncomfortable out there um some yeah. he does have a quick release which is good and quick decision making um, but that also gets him in trouble at times, right? So I think um, can he get in the playoffs? Maybe. Um, 
but I think I'll go back to the I believe 2017 or 2016 season where before Jimmy Garoppolo came, where we're gonna have a lot of close games. We're gonna push teams pretty closely, or maybe even take the lead. Um, but then in the fourth quarter is where you know real playoff teams um, make make their strides, and I I think we're gonna lose a lot of close games. That's my mm-hmm. prediction. Um, and I don't I don't think Nick Mullins is a guy who can. If we're down and he has to carry the team on his shoulders, it's going to be really tough for him to do that, right? So, um, so yeah, unfortunately, I don't think he has what I, I've known as the X factor. <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of people do. I think Jimmy Garoppolo in some ways has that too. Um, <laughs> but, it's, but, yeah, he's, he's a backup quarterback, right? So we're going get, get to um, get some close games in there. He'll serve us for a while, but then – yeah, it'll be it'll be a, a stretch, I think, to to say we'll go deep into the playoffs with him or even make it at that point. Um, is the Niners season Jeopardy? Well, it's hard to say, right? <laughs> I think what do you consider Jeopardy is um, you know testing out some of the players that we have, um, especially some of the younger players, and seeing if they can develop into um, big guys that we can keep or start vetting how we're gonna. Um, or how, how the season will go with some of these guys and get some reps in for, for some of our, um, you know, some players on our backup, then it's a success to meet, right? At least we'll know going into next season um, who are the keepers and who are the guys that will probably not be part of our future. So um, what are your thoughts, Mike? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a dicey situation um, from management point of view, just because they're four and four, here, most of their their top players are out for at least one to two months here, and that leaves them kind of wondering what's going to happen when de- late December hits. Do you want to maybe hover around 500 and try to make a push for the playoffs there, or do you want to just maybe tank or start losing some games so you can have a higher draft position? So it really it's it's really a, a tough dilemma, but I think you know from the coaching staff point of view. They're going to want to try to win each game, obviously, as as much as possible um, here. But I think I think from a long from a long point point of view, it's just really challenging to see how the Niners are going to compete and even even get in the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it's it kind of reminds me of one of the Warriors season last season where where you know we lost a lot of key players and we're trying to win every game but you're not putting in your best players to try to do so um and right. i i suspect the same right i think guys with injuries will will be out a little bit longer than they would have if we're competing for a playoff berth right like jordan reed for example i think we wouldn't be pushing him to play tonight i don't know if he is or not maybe he is <laughs> but i think it'll be telling right. if Jordan Reed plays tonight, then I think management and coaching probably believes we jobs, but they send them yeah, out. Um, it'll be the same thing, right? So yeah, let's yeah. Uh, kind of go into the the Green Bay and Niner uh, preview here. Um, so I guess there was latest news this week that uh, you know Kendrick Bourne had like a false false positive for COVID nineteen, so they shut down some of the facilities in Santa Clara. Um, unfortunately, Trent Williams and also Brandon Ayuk. Were, were close to Kendrick Bourne during this time and are not allowed to play in Thursday's matchup um, here. So who do you think will emerge as, um, 
I guess, some offensive um, star power for the Niners for this game here. Oh, man. <laughs> There's not many well, options mean, we to have, pick from, right? We <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah. So we're, you know, in terms of the wide receivers, um, I guess Trent Taylor is is going to be the go-to guy uh, from that standpoint. And then from the tight end standpoint, if Jordan Reed doesn't go, then we also have Ross Dwelly um, coming in. He had like one touchdown um, in the last game um, here. Do you see any any of these players making an impact or do you just see them trying to run the ball with Hasty um, here? Yeah, I think Hasty and McKinnon will probably have to step it up. They'll probably run more um, short passes, um, screen passes or draw draw plays types like that um mainly because also nick mullins doesn't really i don't think he has the same arm that um jimmy garoppolo has so you'll be seeing more more type quick type passes um i think they'll probably be using um i think using hasty a lot and um cusack a lot as well right um to do some you know more trick plays and like i said trent taylor is there so i think it's his opportunity to be able to step up I uh, imagine they'll probably have to promote Kevin White um, from the practice squad mm-hmm. up into playing. Unfortunately, it's just, I think they've already promoted him and put him back in the practice squad twice. So they do it. It's going to be more of a permanent move. And if they have to put him back in the practice squad, you'll have to go through waivers. Um, so, But I don't think the Niners have a choice, right? I think they have to bring him up um, due to the lack of receiving help at this point. So um, I will, I'll be curious to see how he does. Um, Trent Taylor, like I said, needs to step up. But yeah, I think it'll just be a lot of more short passes, grinding the ball. I uh, suspect it'll be a lower scoring game because of that. I think um, Chanahan's going to probably game plan a possession type game where we're trying to run down the clock a lot more. Um, I know if we fall behind a couple scores, that game plan will probably not work you'll have to make some adjustments but it i don't think he has the options that he had when jimmy garoppolo and and um george Kittle were healthy right and having all those receiving help so even that i think he still has to stick with more of a you know within within the 10 yard line type passes and try to get first downs on um short passes to get first downs. so unfortunately I, i won't see i don't think we'll see a lot of big plays um, there might be a few trick plays maybe that um, Shanahan will have to come up with. Um, but, yeah, but definitely we're hurt there, you know. So um, do you agree with yeah. that? Yeah. Well, fortunately, fortunately, uh, you know, it's a Thursday night football game on a short week. And historically speaking, um, these Thursday night games are usually lower scoring than most than most games out there. So we can only hope that – um, the Packers are a little um, tired or rusty from the short week, and um, and the 49ers can maybe uh, capitalize on that and make it a low-scoring defensive game. Yeah, and then I and and the Green Bay Packers are a little bit banged up as well. Um, so they had mm-hmm. a COVID incident with AJ Dillon, their uh, backup running back. So Jamal Williams and uh, AJ Dillon and linebacker Kamal Martin are both are all three of them are on uh, COVID IR, so they're definitely going to be be out of this game. Um, and they had um, injuries on um, with Kevin King and safeties Will Redman and Vernon Scott uh, with shoulder injuries. So so they're a little bit banged up too, right? On defense they're being banged up, and on offense game they're banged up and. Uh, I believe Aaron Jones will probably be activated. I know he's questionable. 
um, but he's missed a few weeks as well, so he probably won't be at hundred percent. Um, so, so there's definitely some challenges I think on the Green Bay side as well. And Aaron Rodgers actually looked um, decent in the last game. I know they lost, um, but he still had two, two hundred ninety-one yards with a hundred ten quarterback rating. Um, obviously, Devontae Adams is going to be a big threat to us, uh, but Robert Tanya is going to be also a guy that they're going to be counting on. In the last game, I think he had more receiving yards on seven targets. Um, so he, um, 79 yards down on uh, seven targets, where Devontae Adams only had 53 on 11 targets. So I think those two will definitely mm-hmm. be guys we have to watch out for. And um, I think there's a possibility they might activate um, uh, Alan Lazard as well. Um, so they okay. do that. and. That's going to be three guys <laughs> we're going to have to worry about. Um, and then on top of that, they also have Marquise Scantling, uh, Vance Scantling, right? So I think from the Green Bay's um, game plan perspective, I, um, they're definitely going to try to spread out the field. Um, so the cornerbacks and also the pass rush is going to be important at that point. right? So, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup. But I don't think it's going to be easy at all. Um, the good part, I think, historically, we've always – done well game planning against Aaron Rodgers and um, the Packers team so we've, we've done well um, but unfortunately I think this game we just don't have the personnel to do it and it's a game at home as well so I think we do have at least that going for us um, but, but yeah it's going to be a very tight matchup I think I think um, obviously between Mullins and Rodgers, Rodgers is going to be the better quarterback and usually the better quarterback in my mind will win yeah. the game Um Right, but, but yeah, it's gonna be a tough uphill battle. Um, so we'll have to see, um, Mike, where you're at. Yeah, and yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think the I think Aaron Rodgers' um, connection with Devonte Adams is way too strong to ignore. Here, I will predict about a couple of touchdowns thrown to Devonte Adams um, tonight, and that may make all the difference. Um, a couple of t- maybe two or three touchdowns and a field goal for Green Bay. I'll, and the Niners may struggle to even get two scores um, in this game here. And that's just kind of how I foresee um, foresee tonight. Yep. Yeah, it'll be a good game, I think, at least was- from an entertainment perspective. <laughs> it'll be definitely an entertaining game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think if the Niners are still in it by the third quarter, I think that's a really good win for us at that point already. Um, so um, yeah. it'll build some confidence. It'll make some you know, locker rooms happy. Um, even if we don't pull out the win, um, if we can keep it close, it'll be, uh, be bright for the future, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So another, a couple other um, NFL games we wanted to note here. So the Raiders, they uh, played at Cleveland this past Sunday. Um, it was pretty tough uh, weather conditions. It was really windy out there. So the, it looks like the Raiders decided to just kind of uh, pound the ball on the ground. Um, about over 35 carries, I believe, and over 200 yards rushing for the game. So with those win factors, um, they decided to limit turnovers and um, basically a close-scoring game. Was there any anything else that you saw? No, I think that, that was one of those games where um, you definitely had to tough it out, and they leaned a lot on their yeah. um, running backs for help. And, you know, in defense, I think they did a good job there. I think they really – really shut down um shut down the browns right so it was it was a fun game i think um uh yeah definitely one of the classic football matchups right so um and you know Derek carr i think actually looked decent in that game i know he only had 
111 yards and one touchdown, um, but he also took two sacks. So um, the highlight, obviously, was Josh yeah. Jacobs. I think going into this matchup, there were some concerns about Josh Jacobs and his health overall, um, but he looked like a stud out there, right? He looked better than Kareem Hunt. Um, so I think the Niner or the Raiders did a really good job of shutting down Kareem Hunt and making Bakers and Mayfield uh, have to go in the air in tough weather conditions. Um, so so Baker Mayfield didn't look that great, right? He had 122 yards and only a 62.4 uh, QB rating. Um, so it, it was a tough struggle yeah. for him out there. And yeah, so I think um, right, kudos to the Raiders. They did a great job. Gruden drew up a really good plan. Like you, I think you mentioned that, right? <laughs> he schemed really well and, and came ready. So, yeah, I think that I don't think I have any other thoughts on that. I just, um, you know, looking forward to the next game. I think the next game is with the Chargers. That's going to be a division game. Um, so definitely, definitely something mm-hmm. to look out for, right? I think, in my opinion, uh, for the Raiders right now is probably a must-win game because of the division game, and they're definitely the better team out there. Right. So. Um, so we'll have to see. Um, what are your thoughts on that game? Yeah. Yeah, I just think that uh, the Raiders, they're favored. Uh, home, no, they're or in LA. LA. They're, um, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, one point, they're only a one-point underdog. Books that have them as a pickup. Okay. So it's, I think people are anticipating a pretty close game there. Yeah, I mean, these are games that um, typically the Raiders would lose um, in the past. Um, but I just think that they – I think Gruden, he game he game plans uh, fairly well here. And uh, I just kind of foresee them kind of doing what they've been doing and keep running the ball with Josh Jacobs. Um, they still have Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, uh, Jason Witten as offensive weapons. Um, you know, Henry Ruggs hasn't really shown too much um, the past couple of weeks there. So it's, you know, I think it's going to be a very close game. It might just come down to, uh, to a last yeah. minute field goal. I think from um, the Chargers um, point of view, um, Justin Herbert's a stud, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's a guy to watch out for. He's definitely emerging as one of um, a contender for rookie of the year. Um, surprisingly stepping in, right? Um, so he, he's going to be a threat out there. I think with their receivers, I think, um, um, Allen's will be out there, so he's uh, Keenan Allen will be out there, so you have, you have to watch out for him. And Mike Williams, I think, has always been a big, big force out there, right? Even though the stats sheets don't show that, he's definitely a presence that um, the Raiders have to watch out for. Um, the good news for them is they're um, the Chargers running backs have been underperforming. I think Austin Eckler is still out, um, so they'll be leaning more on Joshua Kelly and. Uh, Justin Jackson, who have been definitely underperforming compared to Austin Eckler did um, the year before. I think one of the big moves that um, the Chargers probably right now is losing Melvin Gordon, right? <laughs> I think they could have really used Melvin Gordon this yeah. year. Um, and I think the record is kind of reflecting that, that they don't have a really uh, established running game. Um, so so we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be a good game as well um, within LA. So um, yeah, I, I'm just really impressed. I think overall with Justin Herbert, so he he definitely turned that team around from from a, a guy uh, a team that you know was destined to lose almost every game. I think with Josh uh, Josh Johnson, right? Um, that was their backup, right? Josh, or oh, sorry, Ty- Tyrod Taylor, right? Tyrod Taylor was their backup. So 
Um, they were kind of destined to lose almost every single game. Um, and they almost did lose every single game. <laughs> but at least, um, I think they were competitive in almost every single one of them. They had a really tough schedule. Um, the last game with Denver, with Jacksonville, were actually more of a relief for them. Because before that, it was against the Saints, Tampa, Carolina, and Kansas City. So that was really a rough matchup for them, right? So they're they're definitely uh, having some growing pains. Um, but Justin Herbert looks like the experienced quarterback out there and making them having having pretty respectable games where, where they're in it throughout. So I expect this game to be um, more or less the same. That would be a very tight matchup. Um, um, so the Raiders just have to watch out and see if they can utilize their weapons, like you mentioned, with Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. Yeah, and um, there was also another game there that was pretty exciting, uh, the Rams versus Dolphins. Uh, Tua made his uh, quarterback or starting quarterback debut um, there. Did you uh, did you see anything in that game that was pretty yeah. noteworthy, Jerry? Yeah, so... Or was it just basically the Rams? Or was it basically <laughs> the Rams just kind of imploding and and blowing the and blowing leads? Yeah, I think Toa um, actually didn't look that great in the first game, but that was kind of expected. It was his first game back. Um, he hasn't mm-hmm. played football for a year and a half now, and I think on his first play, he, ha- he took a really hard sack. Um, but he came up and was fine. And I think that's actually really good for him, right? As a player who's been on injury for a while, I think your fear in the back of your mind during practice and throughout the week was probably, probably throughout the bye week for him, right? So you probably thought about this for two weeks since they announced him as a starter. Um, how is he going to take hits? Is he going to, you know, get hurt every single time? And I think taking that first hit and he's able to get up um, fine from it. And that was like a pretty hard, you know, broken coverage type of sack that he took there. Um, but he was able to dust it off and come back. Yeah. I think that actually gave him a little bit more confidence that, hey, I'm still a guy in the league. I still take some hits. Like, even though it's a sack, I, you know, I'm, I'm not there risking injury every single sack that I take. And that, in the back of your mind, is going to definitely help help with your confidence and help, help with him in the future. So, um, so yeah, I don't think he was super impressive in that game, but it was a wild game. I think there was a lot of special team plays, um, touchdowns that happened. Um, Jared Goff looked really off. There was a few interceptions. I think he had two of them. And then he also, um, you know, coughed up the ball through a fumble. So, so I think for the Rams, um, if I was in Rams, I would be in a slight panic mode. Anders division toughest divisions right now um to win and that was yeah uh i think Tua's debut was um was very yeah. lacking to be honest with you i believe he had what under 150 yards um throwing the ball uh there so i thought that was very disappointing to watch and uh i think the rams are who they are you know they're very they're a very inconsistent team um, and it usually starts with a quarterback uh, moving on down. And, you know, Jared Goff has just been very uh, inconsistent uh, throughout his tenure with the with the Rams. And um, he has to improve for them to improve, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, can you hear me now? Sorry, I'm having some audio issues here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no worries. Let's um, kind of talk about uh, just some quick uh, Major League Baseball news from the Giants, San Francisco Giants standpoint. Um since since the World Series, uh, the Giants have signed a qualifying offer uh, to uh, Kevin Gossman 
for about 18 and a half million uh, next year. Do you think this was a great um, qualifying offer or did you think they um, overpaid? For no, I think Austin actually showed a lot um, this season that he was going to be one of um, <clears throat> the main uh, starting pitchers on the team. Right? Um, he definitely impressed me. Um, he mm-hmm. definitely, I think, overperformed compared um, to the other starting pitchers. Right? Um, he, he looked like a guy out there. I think the uh, offer to him was good, right? I think um, in order for the Giants to be competitive next season, they're going to need a lot of starting pitching help. And I think Kevin Gossman definitely, um, if anything, was the brightest spot of um, the Giants' uh, season last year. So what do you think about that? You know, I would say that the the qualifying offer is pretty equivalent to what Zach Wheeler mm-hmm. received when he signed with the Phillies for, I believe, five years, $115 million. Maybe not in terms of the duration of that contract, but I think from how the Giants see Gossman, and they see Gossman kind of very similar to Wheeler um, here. They also, from reports, Gossman was ranked ahead of just Trevor Bauer in, in the free agent pitching market um, for the Giants. He just has really good stuff there, and uh, he, you know his his continual high velocity, um, which continues to climb up as the game goes on, is really impressive. And um, he also has a very nasty split finger fastball that he utilizes too. Um, that's very um, that's not really talked about. So I think it was a really um, good signing um, there. And when you have a pitcher that you have control over. And he has very high quality stuff. You have to try to keep him. You know that's what it really yeah. comes down um, to. Do you think um, they'll bring back Trevor? Um, Was it um, bring back any of the other starting pitchers at this point, or do you think Gosman's like probably their main guy? And where where do you see Gosman? I guess in terms of the lineup, do you think he's our number two now, or um, or will you be that number one guy? I. Well, I still think that Cueto will probably be um, slotted as the number one um, pitcher um, there, and Gossman will mm-hmm. probably be number two. I think the Giants should really prioritize this offseason by re-signing Drew Smiley, who's a, who is a left-handed um, pitcher for us and who has uh, really good stuff as well um, here. So if they can just re-sign Drew Smiley for half, for maybe like a third, of how much they signed um, Gosman for? Do you Trevor? Um, that would be great. Or they'll bring him back. To be honest, I think Trevor Cahill is just <laughs> a journeyman pitcher at this point. Who is just a pitcher that will just try to eat up some innings for you. Maybe maybe go five five innings mm-hmm. and and hand the ball to your bullpen. Um, he, I wouldn't say he's a priority. Yeah. You know what I mean, but. You know, anything's possible. And with um, with kind of how teams are going to be very reluctant on spending money this offseason, um, I think pit- I think players in the free agent market, they're widely available if you're willing to spend. Yeah, I think we need uh, to get another veteran in here, right? Um, we lost um, just a margin um, this season. So that's definitely leaving a gap in the starting yeah. lineup. So, so I agree with you. I think there's going to be some um, big um, – signings for the Giants to get to round out that starting pitching staff. So uh, I think there's definitely be more moves that'll be made looking forward. Yeah, I'm just looking at the depth chart here for the starting pitching 
uh, for the Giants. So we have Johnny Hill. Cueto. Um, we have uh, Logan, we have Logan Webb, and uh, we have Tyler Anderson, Andrew Suarez, mm-hmm. and also Sean Anderson um, there. So, I mean, out of that group, is it? I mean, we're not looking <laughs> yeah. at a lot of high quality. Yeah, artists, I mean, yeah. After to be honest with after you, you read that list, so on, I think, I think uh, Gosman's a must-have, must-keep, right? <laughs> I'm line up. I think Quato and him are gonna yeah. solidify that starting lineup, and then from there. We have to look at who's going to be the third, fourth, and fifth uh, starter at that point. So, I think out of that list, um, I, I don't know. I think, I think like what you said, probably Smiley will probably be the number three, right? Um, so we're going to have gaps in four and five, and if we get like a veteran uh, pitching staff coming, I think I can see him easily fit into that third spot. Um, so what? And it's and it's just very tough to sign starting pitchers in minor league you know through minor league deals and have them be right. effective for us and fill quality innings trevor k Cahill, hmm. i believe was in a minor league deal um for us include included with k hill was tyson ross there and i know he's been bounced around from team to team um throughout his career uh, and there was also trevor oaks and andrew triggs who i believe did not even make um make an impact um, during our season. So I think it's very imperative that, you know, we keep Gossman and Do you think we'll get closer at this point? I think that was one of the biggest gaps for, for the Giants, right? Oh, getting closer? <laughs> I think that's a topic for another episode, <laughs> okay. to be honest with we'll you. Tease that for next we, have, uh, <laughs> we have a lot of weeks to kind of – yeah, just because I think, like, you know, I think that there are still some off-season moves that – a lot of organizations will make. And I think that we can evaluate how the next season okay, will be. Okay, let's tease that for next time moves. then. I think we, we should talk about a closer. We should talk about the catchy position and the Buster Posey situation there. And a few a few yeah. other um, position players I think will be will be interesting topics going forward, right? So let's tease that for next time. <laughs> to be honest, I think... Yeah, I, I honestly think we have a lot to talk about there. I think there's a lot of good up-and-coming um, minor league players from in our system that, that we can definitely you know talk about. And, uh, yeah, I think the future is bright. Um, but at this point, I think, like, we should allow the Giants to make all the moves that they can, and then yep. we can evaluate Sounds it good. from there. Let's talk about um, some sports. Yeah, so we're um, picks, you know down. We're, we're narrowing down to Niners plus seven at home versus Green Bay. The over under is forty eight point five. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually rolling with the Niners here. I okay. think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a trap bet. Oh, I think wow. a lot of people are thinking <laughs> the Niners are really beat up and that this is gonna be an easy cover for Green Bay. But like we mentioned earlier in the episode, Green Bay is also really banged up, right? They have a lot of injuries. And Kyle Shanahan really schemes pretty well against Green Bay. And, you know, with their starting um, lineup healthy, Green Bay had some trouble with the Niners. So now that a lot of their starters are banged up, I suspect it to be a closer game. So having that seven and a half buffer is definitely going to help. And over under, I do like the under a lot. Um, Like I said, I think both sides are going to try to stretch the game out. Um, I think Green Bay will have more problems doing that, mainly because they don't have depth at right, at running back. Um, if Aaron Jones plays, that'll help. But 
he's not a guy that they're going to run every down because he just got back from injury, right? So they're probably looking at their fourth stringer at this point to, to do that load. I'm not confident that he's able to move the ball. So um, what are your picks, Mike? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with, um, with Green Bay here. Um, I believe they're going to win 28 to 13. That's going to be my prediction, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry. The Niners will probably be able to score a touchdown and uh, a couple field goals right. here. Uh, how about the Chargers? Their favorite one by at yeah, at uh, Chargers are at home, right? So Chargers minus one, um, and then the over under is fifty one and a half. Uh, for this game, I I'm taking the Raiders. I think Raiders have mm-hmm. the personnel and the depth to be able to. Um, really challenge the Chargers. Um, but in the end, I think they take it. I think uh, Pruden is going to uh, do really well at scheming against the Chargers. And Herbert is probably their biggest threat at trying to mm-hmm. um, win the game. Um, but like I said, right, running back depth is really a trouble for them. And I think um, their defense is really banged up as well. Uh, I think they've given up 30-plus points in every single game. And so when you have that type of comfort um for Derek Carr and team there. I think that's going to, you know, I suspect a really big game from Josh Jacobs. So, um, so yeah, I'm rolling with Raiders plus one. And for this one, I would go the over. I think 51 and a half is pretty, you know, pretty big over under. Um, but I think, um, I, I think both sides defensively are pretty banged up. So they're, they're going to be giving up a lot of plays. And the, I suspect the Chargers to be falling behind early. And then they're going to lean heavily on their uh, right receivers and Justin Herbert to win that game. So there's going to be, you know, back and forth shootout there. Um, Mike, where are your picks? Yeah, I do like the Raiders in this game here. Um, but, you know, it is very concerning to see the Chargers uh, with Herbert. And they also have, uh, you know, Austin Jackson um, there. And I think Austin Jackson is going to, um, you know, make some noise in this game. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I just see the Raiders finding some way to score some points. 31-28 <laughs> Raiders. And that's going to be over. Over the fit, over, they're going to go over yeah. that fifth That'll be an exciting now. game, I think. <laughs> I, I'm actually looking forward <laughs> to both games, right, overall. I like, um, that's my closing thought there. I think both games will be really fun to watch. Can't wait to watch tonight, see what kind of team the Niners will be. I think this game will actually determine the rest of the season on how um, the Niners will play teams going forward. And then for the Raiders, it's going to really determine if they are a legitimate contender for the playoffs. Um, if they can win all their division games, I think they'll be easily slided in there. So so I think it'll be fun to watch tonight. Yeah, and every game is important, um, you know, moving forward here. So it's yep. going to be exciting to watch. All right. Well, that concludes uh, season one, episode five here for Jerry Yang. This is Mike Tang, and this is the MJ Sportscast show. Take